there, this is Sam Kilmer, your host of Fintech Hustle. Good to be with you today. And uh, I am uh, really, really, really happy to uh, uh, have a, a great crew again. We're re-recording. Our demo tape didn't work out as planned in the studio, so we're redoing this. But uh, for this episode of Fintech Hustle, I'm joined by my co-host, and I believe uh, you were referred to as El Instigator, Ron, Ron Shevlin, our Chief Research Officer at Cornerstone Advisors. And I'm also joined by two great guests from uh, the halls of uh, from FinTech, Tara Schultz, who's the Chief Strategy Officer at CSI, and Mike Trigiano, who's the Executive Vice President uh, at Velocity Solutions. Good to see you guys. Great to see you, Sam. Thanks. Good to see you, Ron, Tara. Thanks for having us back. I guess we didn't screw it up too bad the first time. Yeah, you know, I mean, every now and then you have some little snags like that. I should also point it out when I... Well, I introduce you guys for those for those of you out there in fintech land that don't know Tara and Mike. Uh, in addition to to being, uh, you know, leaders at their firms in the halls of fintech, they also Tara. I know your background also included being a bank a banker in your uh, along your journey. And Mike, I know you were also prior to uh, being a leader at Lossy Solutions. I know you were a, a tech founder or CTO and come from the tech side. So nice. Uh, Nice backgrounds to get some perspectives on the industry. Thank you. Yeah, I, I grew up around community bank uh, banks. My dad was the CEO of a bank, and then I worked at Wells Fargo and then jumped into the land of CSI. Uh, obviously, have a, a deep passion for everything that uh, community banks do for their communities, the businesses they serve. So happy to be here. Hi. Good to have you guys in. I, I should I should point out that somewhere in here we need to probably show some pictures of our of our prior engagement where we got together and we had some we had some audio difficulties but you know it was the first time that we'd used that in our defense in my defense it was the first time we'd set up that nice nice technology rig and as we all know from the industry uh, the beta release doesn't always or I should say the alpha release doesn't always work out the way you'd uh, planned it to go so appreciate your patience and. And, and uh, flexibility and getting back together with us. I don't know, Sam. In, in our world, the, the alpha release has to work, too. So um, you, you, you might need to work on that a little bit. Uh, but uh, I think I think doing these in person at, at, at the different events is a phenomenal way of doing it. So trying to trying to get that figured out would be would be huge. Yeah, well, we're working on it. Well, let's let's talk about the you know where we were at. We were at the Association for Financial Technology AFT conference in Tampa. Uh, spirits were high. We were being harassed in the hallway. People going to and uh, to and from the elevator, as I recall, Tara. And we were like, "Hey, you know, you don't have to harass us that much. Could you just take our take our picture?" And it was a it was a fun grouping. But I, well, I guess just to kind of get started here, uh, and Ron, I know you're a speaker at AFT as well. So I just love to get all of your perspectives coming out of that uh, that event, you know, what what were some takeaways that you had from the event that really popped out of you as big topics that, uh, uh, you know, you think other people here uh, listening to the podcast might appreciate knowing more about? Tara, you want to you go first? Yeah, happy to. Um, I love that event, first of all. It's very different than any other event that I attend uh, throughout the year. So obviously, it's, it's our time to get in a room with both competitors and other fintechs that we partner with and or looking to partner with. And it's a time to, uh, if we're competing with them, we put our swords down and help each other be better. Um, and I think that's the whole theme of, of that entire event is better together. So 
um, as, you know, as a core solution provider that has that holistic stack, we're still looking for more fintechs to bring that, uh, bring that better experience to the consumer small businesses that we serve throughout the community banks and, and FIs that we, uh, that we serve every day. So I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is better together, whether that be, um, the fintechs focusing more on the data that they can dive deeper on and give to us, give to the F, give to the banks, give to the uh, financial institutions to, uh, to launch the solutions in a better way or get to market faster or be more successful to help that end customer in small business. I think that's the entire theme of the event. So again, putting that, putting your guard down and sharing what you've gone through, the challenges that you've had things that you've tried, what's been successful. And uh, we're all in this for the the same purpose. And it's to keep those banks relevant. And that's what that event's all about. Good stuff. What about you, Mike? Anything you took away from yeah, the event? Well, Tara's exactly right. It is a phenomenal event for all of us in FinTech who provide solutions to banks and credit unions to get together and um, and 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 really figure out how to how to leverage technology as an enabler. Um, all for the same purpose, which is, you know, making community banks and, and credit unions as relevant as they can be against the, the mega banks that have the, the millions and millions of dollars in, um, in IT and R&D budgets to, to build whatever it is that they want to build. So it, 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 it's phenomenal. You know, for me, one of the things that was, I think we all know it exists, but to hear people speak of it is is the concept of going down stack to start to to really address some of the core issues that we have um, that each of us as a vendor are dealing with, right? Um, so that that was one of my takeaways. Well, it sounds like the uh, the guys in the engine room behind you are going down stack as we speak. Mike, I don't know if you're picking up on that, but Ron, I'll, Ron, I'll let you, I'll let you jump in while the engineers are uh, uh, knocking out the stack over there at Mike's at Mike's place. Oh, is that what, <laughs> what that was? I thought Mike just couldn't keep his kids under control, and that they were just playing, and it was like, dude. Tell your kids to man up here a little bit. Tell them your dad's working and you got to be quiet for 10 minutes. Man, I tell you, oh, big difference. So listen, here's how I, I take it. I, I hope this is okay analogy. You know, after 9-11, I remember Saturday, the first time Saturday Night Live came back on the air and they had Rudy Giuliani on and they said, hey, is it okay to be funny again? And Rudy Giuliani said, you, you never, you know, have you ever been funny? But I felt like there was sort of this uh, mood in the hall that was kind of like, hey, we've, you know, we're kind of going through this crisis. Is it okay to still think about the future and investment? And the answer is absolutely yes. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta face the headwinds, but you gotta ride the tailwinds. And I think, you know, the, the mood in the, at the conference was, look, we gotta keep our, our clients focused on the long term. They're gonna get through the short term. We gotta help them do it. But there is, we, we still got to keep the, you know, our foot on the gas pedal for the, the future investment in, in technology. Yeah, I, you know, a couple of the things that jumped out at me, I was thinking of, of Frank Martiri's session where he was being uh, interviewed by Kara Parkey and just talking about, you know, whether it's a small bank or a medium sized bank, large bank, or whatever, uh, you know, just going above and beyond to take care of to take care of them, not signing them to something when 
It, it sounds so simple, right? You know, don't sign somebody if you don't want to take care of them. But I thought the candor that was offered there, a couple other things that jumped out at me, Stephen Bohannon from Alchemy had a session where he shared, you know, some real, you know, in addition to, you know, best practices or whatever, he shared a couple of, we just call them, you know, lessons learned, you know, where you, I think he even had like a, a letter uh, from like 10 years ago when the first client that ever gut punched him and told him, you know, we're not going to deploy your solution now because, you know, you've kind of gotten ahead of yourself a little bit here in terms of your ability to, you know, get things done the way that that particular bank or credit union wanted to do it. What I loved about it was just people letting their guard down a little bit, jump around to your point. It's okay to be candid. It's okay to talk about our weaknesses um, and share where we can, you know, do a little bit better. I, you know, those were, I was also, uh, I was also kind of, um, um, you know, given a bit of a boost because Neil Stanley, who was somebody who's been telling me for the last four or five years, you know, that uh, these banks have got to be thinking about all their deposits and, uh, you know, analyzing their deposit portfolio and their deposit franchises. Um, and, you know, he and I talked a little bit about it, but not much. And he didn't tell me I told you so. And I was kind of thinking maybe he would have kind of cornered me there by the elevator and said, Sam, I told you so. So it's good. I just love the spirit of people sharing strengths and weaknesses. But uh, yeah, good, good show. And I, 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 your point about, I think that was Ben Metz, Mike, that, that talked about the down stack um, piece. But uh, I know that was good stuff. And I, Ron, you had a session on kind of the bridges, which I thought got into um, it, was, it was around building a. I think it was around building a bridge, and I, I think the whole story there was around integration and partnerships, and it just seemed like a lot of the sidebar chats and the breakouts that were getting into the how tos of integration uh, and how to get it done, which I thought was a productive, productive conversation. Yeah, I was trying to kind of introduce the idea, the notion that. There's a new competitive factor that you've got to work into your to your pitch and in dealing you know new new clients and uh, you know features and functionality is always important price is always important the user experience is always important you know past couple of years really kind of focus on support and service and that kind of thing but you look at the from a financial institution perspective and where's their biggest weaknesses it's generally at the points of connection. Whether the points of connection are internal systems, cross, uh, cross-functional processes, and increasingly to external organizations. And I was trying to get uh, the folks at AFT to kind of realize this is what's going to make you or break you in the next couple of years. You know, how, how good are you at uh, helping your clients enable those connections and very much so externally and help them create those connections and ecosystems uh, and uh, yeah, I was using the uh, "A Bridge Too Far" the the 19, 1977 movie with Sean Connery, where you know it was about the market garden operation in World War II, where they couldn't hold that last bridge, and it was a bridge too far. And my point was, uh, when it comes to your banking and credit union clients, there is no bridge too far. You you got to do them all. Yeah, and I yeah. think the interesting thing there too is is everything you're talking about there. It leads to Really, what we'll see this year too, with I think this year will will expose quite a bit um, legitimate business models, but also we'll see more consolidation as well as more of those fintechs in that room doing the one plus one equals three. Um, it's you know the the fintechs that are trying to solve this tiny little area of a bank's problem 
pairing with this other one to create much more of a push towards um, deposit engagement, uh, you know, retention, all of that. I think a good example from AFT is digital onboarding, grabbed Atomic to pair it together. So the bank doesn't have to, to select two partnerships. They're bringing a package together to create better engagement after the onboarding of the accounts. And the more and more we see a fintechs pushing with better data and better partners to create that stack solution, it helps us, it helps the banks, and it helps create better experiences at the end of the day. So I think that that bridge too far and everything you talked about there is a push towards what we'll see this year as well. Well, exactly right. The connections are a big part of it, but but it's it's about creating frictionless and uh, a frictionless experience for the consumers, whether it's a retail consumer or a commercial consumer. That whole experience has to be frictionless. That can't feel like it starts one place, stops. They have to go somewhere else. So that is that is why that is so important. Um, otherwise, we're going to lose the consumer. We're going to lose them somewhere else. And 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 it, you know, Ron, Ron and Tara, right on. And and it's funny how AFT has changed in that respect. You know, ten years ago when we joined. Wow, there was there was some real heated conversations around integrations and allowing third parties in, and and it's not the same today. I think it's phenomenal that um, we're all we're all rowing in the same direction. We're all trying to figure it out. It's difficult, um, but but everybody's working together and really trying to figure it out. Some doing better than others, but it's really about creating that frictionless value proposition for the consumer. That's what's going to keep them to stay with their bank or credit union and, and, um, and re retain that, uh, that retention. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting to me because I'm seeing a lot more of the mid-sized banks who historically may not have had deep integration experts or expertise or developers or, you know, kind of anybody of that, anybody like that inside their own world, they tended Tara to lean on folks like you or whoever to sort of get it done. And, you know, a couple things that really kind of, that I really like to see. One of them is, is that you have um, people working in a lot of these companies where it's, you know, this is not their first hayride. I'm thinking, Mike, of people like Ted Brown over at, you mentioned digital onboarding, Tara, where, you know, he did Andera. It's like he's been down this, a lot of these folks have been down this path before. So that's kind of sort of one element. I see some of the banks hiring up on some of the, the talent, you know, maybe historically they let somebody else do it, but they realize I need to, I need to own some of this or at least be knowledgeable about uh, where these things are buried at in our organization and how the tables join and how things work together. I think the other thing, and I think, Tara, you and I may have talked about this, but would love to get your and Mike's perspectives on it, but just really the rise of these kind of specialty companies that, you know, yeah, you've always had systems integrators. You could go out to a you know, a big six firm and pay, you know, tons of money to have somebody come in and, you know, with a hundred people and put them in cubes. I mean, that's always been an option, but it's just extremely, you know, cost prohibitive for a lot of banks. But yet you've got these kind of specialty companies that build up connectors in the middle that are sort of, I, I, I wouldn't just call them ready, maybe not ready to pull right off the shelf, but they can help kind of um, ease that process a little bit. Tara, you, I, th I think you had some thoughts on this when we when we were doing our demo demo recording, any 
Anything else you want to add to that? We didn't know it was a demo recording, but... No, we didn't. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, that The whole middleware space is is pretty saturated. I think we'll, we will see a lot happen this year in that. Um, in the way of the the whole Bass stack, middleware stack, et cetera. Um, but companies like, or you have banks that are ready to take on program management for Bass so straight, and, and you don't necessarily need that. Um, and mm-hmm. you have banks that are wanting to do to accelerate more fintech integrations, but they don't necessarily have the staff to be able to manage those integrations. Um, so you have companies like Lee's company with Core 10, I think it's a phenomenal company. They have a great onboarding solution as well. Um, so I think there's there's a place for that. It just it comes down to the whole area of middleware and bass gets a little messy on program ownership and compliance and all the attention that space is getting. So mm-hmm. just be really clear about what you own and what you don't. But when it comes down to if you can't build out fintech integration support and program management. Look at a core 10 that can, you know, manage that for you and help you do the direct integration, um, for example. So, yeah, good stuff, Mike. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's one of the areas in which uh, we try to leverage our own um, our own technology to other third parties. We've been implementing fintech solutions into the cores for for over 20 years, and as a result, have built some really good. APIs and all the different cores, and we have a large data set. So, um, as you guys talk about, that's that helps all these third-party fintechs provide their solutions without having to recreate the wheel. So we can simply license the APIs to our Velocity Intelligent platform, and it allows folks like Digital Onboarding, Wallify, and, and a bunch of others to just plug it in and go. They don't have to do any implementation. Yeah, and that's the beauty of where we're heading with the the new technology stacks. Um, you know, when we struck a deal with Hawthorne River, they were up and going in less than a week on all coding done by them. So then we are ready to push to all banks that are ready to switch their commercial and origination system with digital application. So that that's the beauty of the technology um, of really leveraging the the fintechs that can connect into the newer uh, the newer systems, the newer architecture, because we can't build everything. We won't build everything and we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important, though, to, to distinguish between the, the one time integration effort and the ongoing integration effort, because the, the one time thing is the, the old model. Yeah, we're going to, you know, d- deploy a particular system. We need to make the connections. You bring somebody in. And yeah, maybe it's that big systems integrator, but uh, or maybe it's you know some specialized. But the new business model for the financial institutions is constant third-party partners, and so you, you know you can't go negotiate a contract every time you need a, a new integration. It's got to be a a competency, a capability, an ongoing thing. Um, and I don't know that you build that just once, but you got to continue to to recognize that. Bank's going to say, we got, you know, five new partners this month and got to bring them all in somehow and can't then just sit down and negotiate another contract with another vendor to figure out how that gets done. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ron. There's no one and done. I mean, as fast as uh, you can use that term loosely, but 
but but the cores are rolling out yeah, updates on um, as are the other fintechs on a pretty regular basis. And um, if you if you're going to provide that kind of integration, it's uh, it's ongoing. It's ongoing development and maintenance and, and support. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is for, to me, um, looking at it from inside and outside the industry is just, you know, historically, you know, and I came from from the from the, uh, the fintech bank tech space. Historically, the providers looked at, you know, integration work as being kind of like lower margin, hard, you know, really harder kind of hard work that's lower margin compared to intellectual property or products or whatever. And so this, there was this notion of, well, this, you know, we'll either let the banks do it themselves or we'll let some third party that really wants to focus on hard, low margin work, like people are lining up for that, right? But as it turns out, it's such high value work and it's such a success factor that what I think is really interesting about it is you, you, you kind of have kind of, I don't want to say there's two camps out there, but you sort of have this thing going on where people are like, Oh, you know, let them eat cake. Just let them go figure it out. And then you've got people that are like, no, 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 They're going to choke on the cake. We either have to do this or we have to have some partnerships. Terry, you mentioned Core 10. I mean, I'm, we're seeing investment uh, going into, you know, the what is it? There, some of the others even out there, like what is it, Portex and mm-hmm. Nextsoft. And they're just meaning there, there just seems to be like a stable of these providers that aren't really about the product, but about welding things together to whether it's helping out companies like yours or helping out the banks directly. What I I think is going to be really interesting is to see if, whether it's the core providers, I think, Ron, you and I may have been talking about this, whether the core providers or the digital banking providers, I know, Terry, you you, you guys do both of those things, but it seems like digital banking is becoming one of the new kind of like loan integration, Mike, that these are are some of the, the, the integration battlegrounds of, is there friction more than does it connect to the core, which has historically been the kind of the main, and I think perhaps the main pipeline of integration conversation out there. I don't know if you guys have any perspectives on that. I think you're spot on with the rise of embedded fintech. Um, you know, when we look at it from a strategic partner standpoint, we still have a benefit to um, choosing the the solution that, that meets the the best criteria for the market that we serve. So looking at um, like a chat video solution, they could, we could easily embed, you know, a custom menu or a quick link or anything like that today from a vendor that they select. But we can look at that, that partner and really embed it throughout the entire stack, throughout the entire customer journey. And that's what we've chosen to do with the, with the flexibility on the back end. But we take it to the the website we host. We take it through the onboarding journey. We want to make sure that no matter where they hit that moment in need, that customer is served via chat video. And then you do it through the the digital banking too. No matter where that friction point is, you need to be there for them. Um, so I think it's it's an evolution of the embedded fintech journey and and really taking it down to the customers, the small businesses, for them to select what they want. And I think that whole embedded path of, you know, example, auto books, not letting the bank choose for sure who exactly who needs that, that payable solution, but pushing it to the or letting them select that, uh, that payable solution, 
Otherwise, they're out there selecting eight different payable solutions and feeding right to the financial fragmentation that Ron speaks about on on every stage he's out speaking on today. So I think that journey is an evolution, but you know where where we all need to solve for for sure. Hey Tara, let me just kind of maybe push back a little on that concept because it sounds like the right thing to do, but it's kind of like let's say you wanted to sell your books on Amazon. You're going to get lost on Amazon. And sure, the customer can choose, but how do you use the platform to get in front of the customer is the hard part. And so, yeah, AutoBooks can load up their their service in hundreds of different financial institutions platform. But if the businesses doing business with that bank don't know that that service is there, there, there needs to be some push is what I'm saying. It can't all be pull. Yeah. There, there's got to be some mechanism by which the bank, you know, recognizes that there yep. are a set of customers who should have this and say, look, here, here's what's there. So it, I don't think it can be all kind of pull like that, but it is a better yep. model than kind of the one off negotiating thing that has always happened in the past when it comes to partnerships. Yeah. So you you hit on two really good points and something I brought up on stage last week at, at AFT. It's and something I mentioned earlier, it's getting that data to showcase to the banks why they should really be looking at this for the small businesses they serve or the customers they serve. Um, they've done a nice job of that, but also taking it one step further. And this is this goes to every fintech solution out there. And it's how are you educating better on what you provide to the consumers, to the small businesses? And a good example of that is Lemonade, Excel. Um, John Finley's platform that really creates more engagement and education um, in a virtual manner. I think the best application I've seen of that is neural payments out there, how they utilize the, the virtual education piece of why they should make that a part of the platform. So again, you can't leave that to one party, but you know that you know the problem you're solving, you know the market you're after. So grab the the education platform and place that into the journey to to push further adoption we've got to figure out how to personalize it for um for the users for the for the for the consumers that's that's how we get the adoption that's how we're able to educate if if we're not personalizing it through very very direct kind of uh correspondence whether it's an email or a text or um uh through your communication we're, we're, we're not going to attract the, the folks to utilize our services. We're just, we're just not. Um, and, and that's really, I think that's still an area we're not good at in this industry. And, and I think that's why it's so important to have a really good account engagement platform that can help drive that, that can, where you can leverage the data to find out how do I personalize these messages and then track the personalization so you can see how um, how, how your conversions are, are going. Yeah, I, I I think it's a good point. I I like I like Terry your your examples of Derek at AutoBooks uh, and John at Lemonade because I think if there's one thing that both of those chaps have in common is they're really good at content. You know, they're really good at whether it's on stage at a Finovate or whether it's, uh, you know, just putting together a, a storyline and getting content out there to help people understand it in a, you know, a 
whether it's a 30-second ADHD uh, type of, of scenario or whether it's a, you know, uh, I, I know Derek has been big on, you know, sort of hosting these uh, seminars to basically just take people all the way through it so that they can easily transfer that knowledge to the business clients in their client base. And I, I think that, it, you know, um, we have focused a lot on distribution uh, all, for all the right reasons. But I think one of the things that th those that those particular two that it strikes me is they're really good at developing and distributing content to make people aware of something that they could be doing better than the way, you know, this is a way that they can help themselves or that you can help them. And I think you're right, Mike, we, we have not done a particularly good job of that in the industry. And I don't know, Ron, any other perspectives on that before we move on? Uh, well, I would shout out to Mike and Velocity Solutions as well. I think both um, them and uh, Autobooks do a good job of, from a content perspective, of focusing on the business opportunity that's at hand and not, hey, we have a solution for you or, hey, look at look at me, look at me. Uh, yeah. So I think both organizations and Derek does a great job of that. I cringe, Ron, when you said feature and functionality. Ugh. Value proposition. That's what it's about. And that's the beauty of the fintechs that are solving those very specific problems versus the holistic approach of you have velocity. They have a job to be done and they focus on that. They don't try to eat the eat the whole sandwich at once. Um, same with autobooks. They're very focused on that job to be done. And oftentimes they can help the banks focus more on the SMBs a lot better than they, the, the banks can do traditionally or naturally. So I think it's, it's all about fine tuning the market that you're after. And Ron, I think I read something earlier this week about, you know, know your market. I think you said, um, the, the USAA, they know their market. They know their bullseye is the, I think it was the, you'll, I know you'll correct me if I'm, if I state this wrong, but the, the deployed, uh, service members, that is their bullseye. And then by nature, they're serving the, the retired and the family members outside of that. But they're very focused on what they want to achieve and the journey that, that they need to do or the, the journey that they need to go on to get there to serve that particular uh, focused market, not try to serve everybody. Um, and then the rest comes with it. So I think that's no different on the fintech side. Yeah, and it's important to think about that, too, because okay, they were the ones that pioneered mobile deposit. Why? Because their members could not get anywhere close to a... Uh, uh, you know, a physical branch to do it. But yet, who's using mobile deposit these days? Everybody, not just the, you know, the, the people who can't get to the, the, the people who don't want to go because they don't have to go anymore. So it's key to recognize that you may design your operations and products and processes for the center of the bullseye, but it tends to provide plenty of support and fill the needs of a lot of folks in the outer rings of the bullseye. Interesting. I mean, I think if nothing else, you know, a couple of takeaways I had here is, you know, I think your point is necessity being the mother of invention there, Ron, is, you know, kind of follow the people that really, really needed it the most. But, you know, everybody needs integration. Um, everybody, pretty much everybody needs content. Um, everybody needs a, a way to originate new clients, you know, um, everybody, you know, so some of these things are almost universal. It's just that some people, if they don't have those things, it's kind of like, you know, Capital One, right? 
if they're not any good at data, they're out of business because if you want to be a good credit card lender, you got to be good at data, right? So there's certain people that have to be better at than others, but it, I love the way that this is, tr is transferring into other areas. Well, listen, I know you guys have a lot going on before I let you guys go. Any other closing thoughts of, you know, things you're hearing from the industry or things you uh, think we should talk about before we let you go on about the rest of your afternoons and Mike, your your uh, your naval shipyard uh, building exercise going in there with the kids. Anything else? Anything else you want to bring up before we let you get back to the, the ship? I want to thank everybody for uh, uh, for allowing me to participate in this. It's been a lot of fun and always a pleasure uh, working with you, Sam and Ron, Tara. So yeah. I, I enjoy both of our podcasts, Tara. Um, even though the public will only see one of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot, lot of fun. Um, we'll figure out how to do this in person. Yeah, absolutely. Tara. Yeah. Thanks for having us. I can assure everyone that our first try was way better, but, uh, <laughs> you won't know. Maybe we'll, so. maybe we'll figure out a way to mash the two up into some kind of a hip hop thing or I don't know. We'll, I love it. I'm we'll, a huge hip hop mash fan so oh, you're a hip-hop mashup expert i love that love that ron anything else oh yeah there's like a million things we can talk about but you know let's uh that's it we, we talked about the one thing that's it of course a million things we'll let it go we'll we'll bring it up on the next one we'll get these guys back and we'll do all part, right we'll do part three at some point here all right well hey listen thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of fintech hustle in the hall on the first version kind of sort of in the hall this one good to be with you have a great 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 quarter slash semester slash year we'll see you soon Bye. see you all soon thanks